Hi, I'm Caroline Goldfarb, and the last thing I prayed for was a fatter ass. Hi there, we're Jess and JC, and this is Pray For Us, a podcast about practicing an ancient religion in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe Judaism and other religions when it comes to holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Caroline Goldfarb. Today, we're super excited to be talking to Caroline Goldfarb. Uh, Caroline is a writer. She's the co-founder of the seafood company Fishwife, co-host of the podcast Glowing Up, which we love, and the internet genius behind the viral sensation, official Sean Penn. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Welcome. (laughs) Oh my God. What an intro, JC. Jessica, thanks for having me. I love how you couldn't even say my full name without laughing. I Look, I know I have one of the Jewiest last names in existence. A lot of people like burst out into laughter when they hear it. Or the try thing to say is, it. I'd I rather have a super Jewy last name than have whatever mess I have because my last name is Nacarella and it's no one knows how to pronounce it. It's obviously Italian, but then they're confused when they like hear me speak. So it's a whole thing. Yeah, your last name sounds like a very <laughs> either a rare shape of pasta. Or it sounds like a spinoff of that Pamela Anderson show. Wasn't there like a, oh, or yeah. a thing Barbarella or something? I'm going to that. costume for you, JC. I love my last name and I'm never changing it. I feel like when and if, God willing. Fuck you, this Jessica. Is not funny. Get out of this true. conversation with your perfect ass last name. I don't know. I just feel really blessed in that way. So Anyway, <laughs> thank you for being with us today. Okay. This, yeah, We're not podcast, here for yeah, this positivity, this? <laughs> Jessica Dolan. <laughs> You're not Jewish. I'm not. Pick this up. We know that you're lying. It's true. No, I. No, I she am is. Jewish. <laughs> oh, you're. Actually- I'm full Jew. Well, my, not that it matters. Uh, I always say I'm full Jew, as if that means I'm like more Jewish than someone else. But that's not the case. I just want to clarify. Well, <laughs> it isn't the case technically, but my Jewish Persian mom has very like strict ideas of what's Jewish and what's not, and her all-time greatest was my. Uh, ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. was his mom was Jewish, which as we know makes him Jewish, but mm-hmm. he was not bar mitzvahed. Mm-hmm. And my mom would refuse to acknowledge that he was Jewish in any way. She was like, well, he wasn't bar mitzvahed, <laughs> so he's not really Jewish. And I'm like, mom, like, yes, he is. Like, stop. You can't say that. That's not nice. Like, that's going to set him up for failure. Like, he's not going to like want to be more Jewish. She's like, yeah, but like, He's just not Jewish, is he? It's like, oh my, oh my God. God. Jewish moms are tough. What Persian Jewish moms I was just are a whole ask. different type of tough. Oh my Can God. I mean, one time, what, oh my God, one time when I was first started dating him and like this him not having a bar mitzvah was like a huge sticking point for her. I, it's so like small. It, it's, it's like, and most people wouldn't care. I don't know why she was so hung up on it, but I remember this is a real thing. She said, Six million Jews didn't die in the Holocaust for you to date someone who didn't have a bar mitzvah. Oh my god, savage! So she did not invoke the Holocaust. Taking it to a whole new level of pettiness and inappropriateness, honestly. So I assume that's that a tough cookie. Are both of your parents Persian? No, I have oh, one, no. one Persian mom. So and one Ashkenazi dad. So I like to oh, call wow. myself a super Jew. I'm a mix. We're that's so honored world. to have you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pretty rare mix. I'm just turning off my space heater because I started to s- profusely sweat. Um, oh, that's okay. <laughs> sorry, if yeah, I Sweating is a big a theme on this podcast. There's like a lot of sweating that always happens and we always discuss it. So you're, this is perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, my big Jewish thing, do you guys have this? And I, fi- I find that most Jews do. I, is that racist? I don't know. No, it's fine. We'll figure We're, it out it's, on the podcast. No, you're in good company. Don't worry. I think there's a lot of like nasal things happening with Jews. I, I'm yes. going, I'm literally like, pedal down into anti-Semitism territory, but I'm just going to keep going. But when I eat, my nose runs like crazy. And it's such like a, in like spicy food, but honestly Same. eating any food. If I'm enjoying the meal, I have like 20 <laughs> tissues next to me. It's one of my most repulsive qualities. And I find that it's shared by other Jews. Confirm or deny. Guilty, Do you sneeze guilty. when you get really full? 
No, that's no. It. So no, I don't either. But my grandma, like, if she eats too much, she'll just start sneezing uncontrollably. And I always thought that that was a Jewish thing. Just I've to... never heard of that. It's okay, so cool. Jewish to think it is so Jewish, by the way, to like whatever anyone does anything to be like that's a Jewish thing. Oh, it's yeah. like so <laughs> nar- self centered and like we're the center of the universe. Like, like oh, like having a runny nose. I'm like that's so Jewish of me. It's like okay. <laughs> Maybe it's not, though. I think it's actually just your human who has an O's. But no, it is. It is very Jewish. Yeah. Chosen people. Chosen people mentality. Yeah. <laughs> I think that my dad used to say when I was younger, like, the Jews are the chosen people. And even I had, like, the wherewithal at the age of seven to be like, you can't say that. Like, do not repeat <laughs> that to anyone. We can't tell people we're the chosen ones. Like, I don't think that that's true. But wait, I thought that that's okay to say. I think well, it is. Are. I, I firmly believe it. Right. Look, God I mean, told us we I'm are. I'm not going to deny it, but I don't think it's nice to say that out, out loud and share that with other people because if you're not a Jew, then you're like, well, then what does that make me? Chop liver? Yeah, but you're not literally, chosen. yes. <laughs> this is like an all lives matter, Black lives matter thing. It's like just because you say Black lives matter mm. doesn't mean right. Yes, all lives matter, but like also Black lives matter. It's like Jews are the chosen people. Like. You're chosen too. Like you make up like ninety eight point nine percent of like the world. Mm-hmm. Like just let us have this. God told us we were this. It gone with her. You guys have Christmas trees. Like give us this. <laughs> and Santa. <laughs> we weren't chosen by Santa. I'll tell you that much. And that fucking sucks. I'd rather. I'm glad to not be chosen by Santa. Honestly. Side note: Does Santa like look Jewish to anyone else? hundred yes. <laughs> percent. I mean, he he has like a weight problem, which is like definitely Jewish. Yeah, he looks lactose intolerant. He will go with the BMI for sure. <laughs> probably has Crohn's. Like it's Ro- very Jewish. Santa's no stranger to a babka. Like <laughs> you can tell, he gets down on like a pastrami sandwich. For That's sure. just the vibe I get. No, me too. I think Call Mrs. Claus is a goy though. Curly sure. hair. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Sa- Mrs. Mrs. Claus. I was. I almost just called her Mrs. Santa Claus. What is her first name? <laughs> is it, Side note. Uh, Carol. I don't know. Nora. I almost just said Clarice, but I. I Clarice. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. It's not Clarice. <laughs> Clarice <laughs> Claus sounds nice. I don't. That well, you put it like that. I don't think I bothered to give her a name. <laughs> She's got big goy energy for sure. Mm-hmm. Major Shiksa. Yeah. It's like something about like the cookies. Like she's always like baking cookies. I know Jewish moms do that, but it's like. But like do a, they? Like a waste. Like, Jewish like it's like moms, sugar cookies with like yeah. Yeah. like little designs. Like that's so not Jewish to me. No, not at all. No. Like a bonnet. I feel like a bonnet. Oh, or no. like little glasses like perched on the nose. That's not, that doesn't feel very Jewish. She's not a bubby. I'll tell you that much. She could never. No, no. And it's so weird because it's such a fine line. Like something about her. I don't know if it's like her outfit or like mm-hmm. what. Like she's not bubby, but she, no. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but. <laughs> Maybe it's she's like a famous Christian icon- iconography, but besides that, I don't know what. Caroline, so just to give people a little context, if they don't know, first of all, that's on mm. them. But you're from LA originally, correct? Are you, are you from the Valley? Um, yeah. Could you tell I'm from Sherman Oaks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Jewish capital of the world, Sherman Oaks. No, I um. Are you guys from Los Angeles? I'm from no. New York, and Jess is from Arizona. Oh, my God. A mm-hmm. Jew from Arizona? I know. Very exotic. It's true. Wow. That's mm-hmm. very intriguing. Yes. Um. Wow. I Yeah, I'm from I'm from the Valley. I uh, had my bat mitzvah at a dot Ariel in Valley Village. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Shout out Rabbi Rothblum. He's the man. Shout, shout out Cantor Beagle Eisen. You guys. <laughs> Beagle Eisen. <laughs> that sounds like a type of dog for sure, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Totally. He he was like the craziest looking dude, too. He was like at least 400 pounds. He had like a really, as a cantor should, like a very distinct, booming voice, distinct look. He was like such a perma figure in my childhood. What Do you guys like have specific memories of your cantors? Like I feel yeah. like cantor Corona, yeah. such a... Cantor Margo like, was also yeah. like a biscuit away from 400 pounds. And she had like crazy curly hair and just like the most magnificent like opera voice that I probably never need to hear again mm-hmm. but yeah definitely like I think about her a lot yeah I, I legitimately do I'm not even joking and I've been singing a lot of like Same. Jewish songs lately they're so fun to sing in that canter voice 
or that octave or whatever. I don't know about singing. I don't know what the rule, like the words are, but it's just like oh a different God. type of music. Oh my God. The tropes and like all the little like mm-hmm. flourishes are so Jewish. Yeah. Of I love course. That. So yeah. Like I'm always busting out into like a, like I can't it's always that one actually yeah always that's especially because the intro music for our podcast is like some rendition of is it that one no I can't even remember what it is it's that one but like a EDM remix it's always fucking stuck in my head and it's torture oh my god it's so it's such a fine line though it's I just feel like the Jewish I need to up my Jewish music game because like, okay, for example, for Hanukkah, I was like, I want to put on like a Spotify Hanukkah playlist. Mm. And I'm thinking it'll be like beautiful, like, yeah, cantors from around the world, like singing these like Hanukkah hymns and, you know, they're like moving, powerful, operatic. But I feel like so much of what at least came up for me was like the Maccabees. It's like (laughs) bad, like pentatonics, like knockoff Jews doing like, obnoxious acapella versions of like dreidel 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 you know it's like (laughs) i need more cantorific operatic moving jewish music in my rotation it's either that or adam sandler or modest yahoo oh my god literally that's what the hanukkah playlist on spotify was (laughs) it's so bad so depressing then of course here and there you have like a little like oh idina menzel's like candelica i didn't know about this like sephardic Hanukkah song. I think I'm messing it up, but it's like something with Candelica. It's like, oh, one Candelica. It's um, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, but it's like a Sephardic like Hanukkah song, and it's I think is it Sephardic? Why am I? Why do I keep saying that? I don't think it is. There's a Candelica is not Spanish for candle, Caroline. No, but (laughs) there is pretending that it is. Okay, I. Don't want to intimidate you, Caroline, but I did teach Hebrew school at the Silver Lake Independent JCC for some time. And that was a song that we like sang with the kids. And there's this language that's like Spanish and Hebrew combined. And that's what that language is. I need to look at Spanglish. it. Spanglish. 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 <laughs> Spanish and Jewish. Oh, Ladino. The language is called Ladino. Wait, this is so interesting. Yeah. By the way, oh, my roommate who is in the other room preparing for Shabbat is like a actual Jewish scholar who has like a quarterly like Jewish thought magazine and like is getting his PhD and like you guys like actually should oh well totally yeah, we want him on the pod. I'm like such a dumbass I'm like Sorry. oh like Spanglish no but I'm like Ladino. I, mean, I didn't like, know that probably I guess what that is okay wow okay so it's Ladino point is that I need more like good Jewish music in my life and people yeah, that are same. listening to the podcast like please recommend some to me do you guys remember that girl, that woman, Yael Nadine no. or whatever? Who's Didn't she sing I'm a new Wait. soul? Yeah, that one. Uh, Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Her name was Yael Strong? Yael. That sounds, yeah, new soul. It was, it was a whole like, commercial, I think. Oh my God. It was like okay. one of the first pop songs I learned um, on piano Yael once Nain. I stopped playing classical music and started playing mm. pop music. Because it's really oh easy. It's like three chords. French Israeli R&B soul singer Yael Naim. Wow. And that song, yeah, from 2008-ish. Oh my God, this is taking me back. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Jewish singers. They just don't sing Jewish music. Like Pink. Um, Challenge. Step up to the plate. Like, come on, Jewish singers. Let's go. If you're listening to this, now's the time. There's a market for it. There really is. I know two other ladies on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Three three is a market. That's what they always say. Three is a market. But, you know, so many of, like, the Christmas carols were written by Jews. Yes. Like, could they put, like... A little effort into writing some Jewish Hanukkah classics? Come on. Oh, we have, we have like three. I know. I don't know what happened there. I feel like being outwardly Jewish in the 50s or 40s, whenever those songs were written, was like not the move. That must have yeah. been the reason, right? Yeah. I don't know. Probably. It, it was just wasn't hip time. to be Jewish until like Joan Rivers, I feel like. Yeah. Thank you, Joan Rivers. I, I think it's hip to be Jewish now. I think so. To like an extent, I mean, I don't know. Everyone hates us still, but I guess that's just going to be a forever thing. It's cool to be Jewish. I love owning my Jewish Jewessness. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. Natalie Portman. That's when it became yes. really Jewish. Natalie Hirschlag. Na- uh, Ger- Goldschlag or no. Hirschlag? Hirschlag. You guys. Was it Hirschlag? Okay. Yes. And Winona Ryder has a Jewish last name too. I forget what it is though. She's like Winona Lipschitz or something. Yeah. She literally, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she changed her last name. I have no idea. I um, go back and forth. Like, part of me really wishes I changed my last name, but I kind of, like, no. missed the window. 
it's just, it's a lot of name. I watch people say it. Like I know, you know what? Here's the thing with my last name. I'm not ashamed to have a Jewish last name at all, but it's a very like, it doesn't, the mouthfeel of my last name is not there. Like it doesn't roll off the tongue. It kind of like sits in the back of your mouth. Like it's just one of those names that it's hard to get out. It's not lyrical. It doesn't like dance on the wind. Mm -hmm. It's like literally like dropping a 10 pound weight on the floor. (laughs) Gold bar. It's heavy. It's a mic drop. It really is. You have a lot of like hard consonants in it. So you need to like put a lot of work to move your mouth to say it for sure. (laughs) It's exactly. It's very strenuous. It's not so much a mic drop as it is like a sack of rocks and you're just like (laughs) dropping it on the floor. Gold farm. It's like not, it's just, there was it. definitely a movie where the main character's last name was Goldfarb. Was it Requiem for a Dream? It is. I've never seen oh, it, but cool. yes, that's what I've been told. Yeah. Don't watch it. It'll like sure. ruin your last name forever. But I know. I'm um, like, oh, great. That's the movie. My last name's in the one where like a girl's like anally raped in like the final yeah. scene. Like, and she's not even the Mom character with your last name. It's like a anorexic 68 year old woman who's like going through psychosis because she took like too much Adderall. Anyway. Um, <laughs> moving on. Thing. Well, I always, my big, I really regret not changing it to my mom's maiden name, which is Imrani. It's a beautiful Caroline Imrani. And also, like, as we know, if I had that Persian last name, it's like Persian forward, diversity, Mm -hmm. like, you know, instead everyone's like, oh, another like white Jew coming into the room, Caroline Goldfarb. But is that your middle name now or do you have a normal middle name <laughs> not a normal hannah jewish middle name um oh, cute. but yeah sometimes i'll like freak out and like ask my reps like is it too late to change my name they're like yeah it is <laughs> i will say i do know of some people in the biz who have changed their last names to sound more ethnic sometimes justifiably sometimes not it's so sweaty it's like so yeah. obvious people like always look down on it so i think it's good that you just kept your at your this real point name. too yeah at yeah. this point i can't do it your talent also, speaks yeah. for itself. Thank you. <laughs> I really mean that. <laughs> You're so sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's my talent speaks for itself, which is why I'm developing a, a exit strategy, a tin fish company. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Are you trying to leave the biz or is that just a fun like quarantine project or has this been something that you've been thinking about for a long time? I am entrepreneurial to my bones. It's almost mm-hmm. like a character flaw at this point. Like, I can't stop hustling. I can't stop entrepreneurising. And <laughs> it's in my blood. Like my grandma on my dad's side. So my Ashkenazi Jewish grandma owned a bunch of grocery stores in Los Angeles. I'm a third generation Angelino. And she like barely spoke English, emigrated from Poland and just like would open like grocery store after grocery store, like move to the better location. She was just like a female business owner. And my grandma on my mom's side in Iran had a rug business in her small Iranian town like, it's just like who I am. And mm-hmm. I've been selling merch on official Sean Penn for many years. So I like have this like love for like, it's like weird passion for e-commerce. And yes, <laughs> over quarantine, I was quarantining with my good friend, Becca. And we were like bouncing around business ideas. And I have to say, tinned fish is one of my favorite foods. Mm-hmm. I've grown up eating sardines, like tuna, of course, mm. like any good Jew. But like, I really view it as like the perfect food. And especially over quarantine, when I'm on like Zooms all day, Mm-hmm. Tin fish really is like the perfect, easy. It's like the perfect, healthy fast food. Especially like for a pandemic. Can. Yeah, it's a very pandemic proof. It's like shelf stable, super nutritious, high protein, like high omega threes. Like I am such a advocate and even even evangelist, evangelist, yeah. evangelist. And I talk about <laughs> eating tin fish a lot on glowing up. Like I'm a fish person through and through. And we were like talking about business ideas. And we were like, there's kind of like a white space in the market for a really cool, like millennial oriented tinned fish company that's kind of like embracing the beauty of tinned fish culture, especially like in Spain and Portugal, where it is kind Mm -hmm. of a beautiful part of the culinary culture. And there's like, they serve it at like cool bars and at happy hour. And there's even like stores that are just tinned fish and like the cans are so beautiful. Like it's such a different part of the food culture there. Right. As opposed to here when it's like, oh, tuna or like sardines, like that's what my grandma eats. And it's like relegated to like a small corner of the supermarket and they're like cheap. And a lot of American consumers like didn't grow up eating them and they don't like them. They're just like not really like aware of how amazing tinned fish can be. So we're like, okay, like, is this like, should we do this? And then the next thing we knew, we were like pedal to the metal, guns blazing, like starting a full-blown D2C like food company. Direct to consumer. Thank you. 
And just like the more we got into it, like the more passionate we became and the more we realized like we were really onto something. And like, we just were hustling so hard, cold emailing sardine factories and sardine canneries in Spain and Portugal, like on 6 a.m. Zooms, working with finding domestic fishermen and fisherwomen and like finding like, where are the can Because the canning business is mostly gone in America. But like, mm. are there micro canneries left? There are like, let's talk to them. And yeah, the next thing we knew, we had started a company and we just like can't really stop. And it's going so, so great. We're That's so cool. We sold out of our first round of products, uh, smoked albacore tuna, which is I people like don't really get it. They think it's just regular tuna. No, this is smoked oh my tuna. God, no, it's it's unlike hard. it's unlike anything you've ever had. I had never had smoked tuna before and it's you can eat it right out of the can, right? I do. Oh yeah. I sometimes just put I it on a little... salad and you're good. Yeah. Or just like out of the can. It's such a great, it's so fucking good. Like a little squeeze of lemon. It's, it's, it, the taste profile is unique, different. It's amazing. Yeah. Canned, ca- caught, tuna caught off the coast of Northern California, canned at a micro cannery in Oregon. It's really good shit. And we had a very limited drop of smoked salmon, mm-hmm. which was an item that we worked with this female fisherwoman canned in Alaska. So anyway, we sold out of everything. Things to look forward to. We've got the tuna coming back in February. So the tuna is always going to be in our store. Working on finding a permanent salmon partner because the salmon that we dropped was like a very seasonal, seasonal product. Yeah. So yeah, we're hopefully going to have like a really cool like domestic canned smoked salmon product. We do have sardines from hand, wild caught, hand packed sardines with preserved lemon from Spain. Yes. Coming to Fishwife in the next couple of months, which is so exciting. Like I'm really passionate about sardines. I think they are like such an overlooked food. And I feel like so many millennials and American consumers like just overlook sardines or think of them as gross. And like, it's like such a personal goal of mine to like get people that are like into tuna, but like don't know about sardines or like Mm -hmm. scared of sardines to like embrace sardines and understand like how delicious, nutritious they are. Hi, there is more calcium in a can of sardines and in a glass of milk. Ladies, we got to be getting our calcium. Bone density is no joke. (laughs) True. I don't know where the negative stigma for sardines came from because they're literally just as delicious. Like the depression, honestly. I guess. Yeah. I think it was like the great depression, like such a grandma food. They're like known as being like cheap. But so tasty, though. So tasty. They're so nutritious. I think they're beautiful, too. Like, they're little, like, shiny bodies. They're, like, got, like, a little, like, rainbow effect to them. There's such a beauty and a magic to sardines. And, like, if I die, and that is my big contribution to the world, like, getting young people to think that sardines are cool, sexy, delicious. Like, this is all I want out of this world. And we've got some other really exciting tinned seafood products coming this year like oh I'm so excited we're we're going wild guys but um yeah it's been like so surreal to start like a real a real ass company with like investors oh wow projections yeah we are closing you guys I am so excited for you and I can't wait to try all your new products but I do I'm so excited that you're an Angelino who's a fish person because I always ask People yeah. from Los Angeles, if they have a spot where they get whitefish salad and it's actually good and no one has had like a solid answer for me, really. So what's okay. your take? That is so funny. I saw a thread on Twitter. Yes. Just, I, okay. So you guys saw the thread. I saw the Wait, thread. No, I, I did not. It was Yasir, right? He Yeah. Yeah. Or I think it was Yasir. Yeah. It seemed like the general consensus was Friedman's? Am I make, messing that up? Well, no, no, Wexler's. 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 Yeah. And I've had Wexler's and I wasn't impressed. So I guess... You guys, I have like the saddest thing to share. And I probably shouldn't what? be sharing this on the podcast. Do you not like Wexler's salad? My manager of many years, Shauna Wexler, mm-hmm. husband, started Wexler's Deli. Oh. And we recently parted ways. And it was so hard to part and like leave the Wexler's family. Did you get a discount? No, I didn't. But <laughs> one time she had her husband send a platter on the first day of a writer's room. That's huge. And I was like, it was the sliced. Do you know, I'm, I'm messing it up. There's obviously locks and there's like a yeah. sliced white fish kind of situation. Yeah, yes. it could be just like white fish or was it say, like smoked sable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like smoked mm-hmm. sables mm. in 
fucking so safe. Good. But no, I love white white fish salad. Wait, so what what about what is your guys's take? What's the best? You tell me. Well, I'm very East Coast. I love like Zabar's white fish salad. Acme has a white fish salad that's amazing, but you can't get it like anywhere on the West Coast except okay. for where Jess. There's like I one place in LA that, that sells it. Mart. If you're willing to pay a pretty penny and drive to the West Side, you can get Acme. But today I found myself at Santa Monica Seafood and I was getting trafe. I got a shrimp cocktail because it's Friday. It's Shabbat. I deserve it. But I think that they would probably have a good whitefish salad. They have whitefish um, salad. I haven't tried it. What about Russ and Daughters? Looks like I'm I'm Googling this as we speak so I can think a little better. Russ Thank and Daughters in New York has fantastic. And it, it seems like you can gold belly that. So that's yeah. probably that's that's worth it's just it. like, do I want to spend $75 for white for salad? Like maybe, maybe on Yom Kippur. You know, I have to say, and I could be wrong. I think white fish salad might be more of an East Coast thing. It like, definitely not, is. I did not grow up eating it. I'm going to be honest. It My dad is. would eat it and he's from Ohio. But mm. that's about, I don't know of anyone else on this. Okay, but East even. Coast whitefish salad tastes how West Coast blue crab hand rolls taste. Like, they taste the <laughs> same to me. Like, if you go to Sugarfish and get a blue crab hand roll, like, that tastes like whitefish salad to me. I love that. Yeah. No, I love whitefish salad. I love that whole flavor profile, like, fishy, creamy. Like, I'm so farting up a storm just thinking about it. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, same. like, the pursuit and consumption and enjoyment of preserved fish is literally now become my life's work. Like that's beautiful. I, I can't tell you how passionately I feel about various smoked fishes. I also like want to give a shout out. Do you guys know this is so like kind of a left turn, but do you guys know John's market? It's like an international market chain in Los Angeles. J O N S. I love John's. I love John's. They have the best deli counter. I go there for pastrami because best deli counter and it's dirt cheap. The pastrami, like the turkey pastrami, they like really good everything. cheeses. Yeah, I love John's. I know oh, it's I so. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, 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 big fan. It's very international. It's called like the John's International Marketplace, and it's like kind of Armenian. I was gonna say, I think like, it's okay. Armenian. Um, but there's they have, like lot... amazing pastries. Oh my god, I lo- uh, yeah. Mm. So in okay, in my John's at least, there's like the deli counter, but then there's like a little like open air like fridge stand. That's like kind of like offset from the deli counter. And it has a lot of like preserved Russian-y fish products. Are you familiar? And like I sausage, am familiar. It's like they dump the they sausage. They have a in lot the- of like, um, I mean, if you go further down, they have like their humongous like pierogi section too. It's kind of like an international like area. This place well, in like this heaven. You got to yeah, go. In this open go. air like fridge thing where there's like the sausages, check out their fish selection because there's these like tiny little smoked like like tiny little like smoked full fish. I don't even know what they are. They're so good. They also have like salmon jerky, but it's not like the kind of salmon jerky that's mm. like you see most market. It's like real like chunks of like fucking smoked salmon with like the skin on it. And they're so fucking good. <laughs> Unbelievably delicious. And it's like, you can barely even understand what's on the pack. Like I just grab everything. Like I don't even read the pack. I'm like smoked fish, smoked fish. Like just, it's just like so much of my diet. And also have you guys ever experimented with sprats before? No, what is that? No. Sprats are, they're like very, another very tiny kind of smoked fish. And they commonly come, they're like shelf stable in a clear jar and packed in like olive oil. And they're very smoky usually. They're so, so, so good. And they're so tiny. Like, so the package will look like. I've seen like tuna in a glass jar that's like very primo and it's like $15 for one like small container of tuna but i haven't seen it's like kind of similar to that but it's like the low rent like i don't even know if i've ever seen that before but i probably just wasn't keeping an eye out but look out for like sprats and olive oil again they're just like really tiny little like brown sardine looking things and they're so smoky like that smoke that do you put them on toast do you put them on salad anything honey i'm an out of the jar kind of girl myself i also will just like balls the wall that's my style i mean a cracker <laughs> sure like a salad why not but like to me there's no greater enjoyment than like standing in front of my fridge and just like <laughs> working out a big hunk of something do you feel judged by <sighs> i have in the past as someone who got sent to like school with like cans of sardines like i've been on the receiving end of some pretty gnarly judgment but i have a very mm-hmm. thick skin like pretty much nothing can phase me at this point i will say like I would, 
I haven't worked like in an office in a while. Like I can like eat whatever I want on Zoom and like not worry about my breath, which is I think the best part of working from home. Oh yeah. But um, I remember when I was working at the James Corden late night show, I would bring sardines a lot and I would eat them outside. I was like very, I, I am aware that it's like, and it's not out of shame. It's just like out of respect. They do smell. It's like, like some people yeah. are weird about it. And I'm the same way with hard boiled eggs. Like I eat hard boiled eggs every morning and I would bring them to work and uh, like in a bag, like a psycho. But people just don't that. like seeing them. People don't like smelling them. And I don't want to be mm-hmm. that person that they don't want to go around because of like my eggs. It's stupid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't want to be the person also that like ruins a food group for some, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to ruin someone's opinion of sardines by like being too aggressive. (laughs) You know what I mean? But have I been judged? Well, I am like, this is why I'm so excited about Fishwife because like I'm so sick of the judgment. And I think it's such like a cheap, low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. to be like sardines are smelly or like, oh, like you eat tinned fish, like gross, that stinks. I'm like, get over it. It's like the healthiest, most amazing fast food in the world. And you're losing out by not being on board. And that's always like coming from people who legitimately eat like, you know, frozen dinners every night or McDonald's or whatever. It's like, exactly. (laughs) I know it's so not cool to be like that anymore. Like, sorry, it's 2021. Like we're eating a nutritionally diverse, like flavorful foods, like get on the train. I still have friends who won't eat sushi. And I'm like, floored Dude, by that cut yeah. them out of your life i can barely be friends with people that like don't eat fish and just like i'm just what like, do you think about like vegans or vegetarians like do you have That's vegan friends tough, because i am very 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 sensitive to especially like ethical reasons for not eating meat and sure. i'm mm-hmm. very anti-factory farm very anti like sure. the american meat industry like for those reasons i'm completely empathetic and i do kind of buy in to like the health benefits of a vegan diet. Oh, look, here's mm-hmm. my thing. Like, I think we all should be eating less meat, like full stop. Sure. For sure. Ethical reasons, health reasons. So I get it. That being said, I do really enjoy meat. Um, I think there's ways to source it, at least for yourself, like from like more ethical places, like going to a supporting a local butcher or like going to a kosher butcher, Beverly Hills mm-hmm. Kosher. Uh, that is a very big spot in our household. What do I feel about vegans? I like, I cook a lot of vegan food. I'm down yeah. with it. I just like need more protein in my life. I don't know. Me too. I mean, I tr- I was a vegetarian for like a year. It didn't work out. And then I don't eat a lot of, I mean, I. <laughs> yeah. Cause you just eat bread. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's exhausting to meal, like to be, to have that kind of diet. You have to meal prep, like a lot of like beans and shit. It's time consuming. Mm-hmm. But I like naturally tend towards almost like a vegan. No, that's a lie. I eat a lot of meat. I, I love meat. But <laughs> I love me too. Is, like pe- pescatarianism, like uh, that's more my vibe, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I feel no guilt about eating fish. I mean, they don't I have any emotional it. intelligence. So I don't think anyone should have guilt about eating fish. Their brains are like basically non-existent. No, and especially if you're eating fish and you can like, I know seafood traceability like is really important and really important to us at Fishwife and like keeping the product like working with like sustainable and ethical like fisheries or fishermen or canneries. Yeah. I mean, if you're eating fish and you know where it comes from and you know that you're putting good stuff into your body, I'll have at it. power to you. Have at it. But Lord, do I love meat. Like I get down on some like <laughs> lamb. Oh, I fuck with lamb. I fucking I fuck love with like carpaccio, like raw beef. Like there's mm. almost no meat that I don't like. I don't eat red meat. So I, I like just do not have I an appetite that. for red meat. Thank you. But I do love and drag me, but I love chicken so much. I think it's like such a versatile food as well. God, yes. I, I love, love everything. Yeah. Me too. I love everything. That's my problem. I'm like omnitarian. Like there's nothing I won't eat. Oh, me too. I want to, I'm curious Stately. because obviously there are so many Persian traditions oh. and Persian foods. And I didn't know oh. about any of this until moving to LA just because New York, like where I was from, it was like all Ashkenaz. Mm. And um, I don't, I don't know, like, what, what are your special dishes? Persian what do you? food is very interesting. Persian food is one of the most culinary complex foods in the world. It's very labor intensive and it's very herb heavy. And yeah. my earliest memories, my mom is an amazing cook, but Persian food is, requires so much time and a lot of herb chopping. And I'm talking like big, like multiple bushels of herbs from the Persian supermarket being shelled and like chopped and put in the food processor. Like it's not easy food to make. There's so many steps to it. And of course my mom doesn't use recipes. Like it's all just like up in her little Persian noggin. So it's such like a high <laughs> barrier to entry for me. Cause like I'll be like, mom, teach me how to make this. And she'll be like, okay, so um, 
she can like barely even like teach you or walk you through it because it's so instinctual to her. And she's like, I don't know, like a little bit of this. I'm like, how much? She's like, I don't know. Like, use your eyes. eyes. <laughs> and she always like uses her hands as a measuring tool. She's like, I don't know, like this much. And I'm like, that's not a thing. <laughs> like Caroline, like, like, did you know, like hold her hand in like different like contortions? Like, like this much? Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't help me. Oh my God. Persian food is so good. Of course, you've got your rices, your amazing mm-hmm. basmati rices. And of course, I feel like the showstopper of Persian food is the crispy rice, also mm-hmm. known as teddy. So you, good. Like, the bottom of the rice pan and make this like golden saffrony like fried rice and, you know, the flip and it's this whole like presentation. Persian food is very like grand. Persian food is so, Persian culture is like ostentatious, gaudy. And it's like the presentation of the bejeweled tadik. Like it's always just like so like over the top. And then of course you've got your stews. There's like different kinds of Persian stews. And it's like, it's not very, there's no like equivalent really in like America or like Jewish cooking, like stews and rice are such like a specific kind of thing. And I feel like whenever my white friends come over and they're like going to have my mom's food, I'm like, so yeah, it's like stews. And then I like hear myself say it. I'm like, that's like weird. That's like not like, yeah, like I don't know. I got really into making stew like over quarantine because Fair first enough. of all, there's a million different ways you can do it. And if you just use a crock pot, like it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to get like that really solid stew consistency. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all about the stew. I, I love hear stew. You. It's like a hearty one bowl or one pot meal that will last you for days, depending on how Persian stew is served you. over rice. That's the thing. You never yeah. eat a Persian mm-hmm. stew alone, really. It's very much like a compliment to the rice. It's just so like unique and like weird to me. And like the flavors of Persian food are often very like sour. Like you cook with a lot of like dehydrated, like lemons or limes. They're like sour mm. flavor profiles, like mm-hmm. herby flavor profiles. Like my favorite Persian stew is called Gorma Sabzi. And it just translates to herb stew. And it's like a hundred kinds of herbs chopped, like cooked in oil, like lots of like sour dehydrated limes. Oh, it's so fucking good. And then you got your kebab, like I fuck with kebab. So we love. And like. Like my mom will like serve you a whole plate. It's like kebab, stew, rice, like, and then like my favorite thing is the garnish. Instead of like a hot sauce, you'll often get like a piece of like a truly like a big quarter of raw onion. Or my mom will serve you just like a couple cloves of raw garlic. And you just like eat a little bite of garlic or like a bite of onion with your food, like as like a instead of like a hot sauce, which I love. I love that. Oh my god. And that I grew up like so eating yummy. raw garlic. And I remember, I'll never forget one time in middle school, I had had this like big Persian meal, like probably like put back like five cloves of raw garlic. Like there's the limit does not exist. <laughs> and I was, it was Halloween and I was driving with my crush and I was in the back seat, like we were in a carpool to a Halloween party. And I was like so nervous with my middle school crush. We never made out. Don't even worry. <laughs> and, and he was like, his loss. It smells like garlic. He's like, did you eat a lot of garlic or something? Because when you eat that much garlic, it doesn't, it's not just your breath. It like comes out of your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like sweat it out. He was just like, it really smells like garlic back here. Like, do you smell that? Like, did you eat it? And I was just like, total denial. Like, no, I have no idea. That's so weird. What? <laughs> oh my God. What could that be? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy because garlic tastes so good when you're eating it and it's so, so good for you. But when so you smell it coming off of someone else, it is really off-putting. I once took a hot yoga class next to a woman who like spilled a jar of like raw garlic or not raw. It was like she was like marinating garlic or something and she spilled it all over herself. No and way. Is that what she <laughs> told so you? Bizarre. She like looked over and was like, I spilled garlic on myself because yeah, that was a lie. Like she was probably and- just sweating. No, so it was a hot yoga class. She rolls out her mat and she sits down and she looks at me and she's like, just so you know, like I spilled a bunch of garlic last night. Like I was cooking and a like I cannot get this. Garlic? Out. Why was your yoga mat in the kitchen? <laughs> she spilled it on her body so and it was still coming off of her. But at the time, like at the beginning of the class, oh, like, oh it's fine. Oh, like do your yoga class, class at home, home, honestly. Yeah, I was I like, know. Honestly, it's kind of like disrespectful. Yeah. But of course I would probably do the same thing. Let's be honest. <laughs> I actually would do the same thing and then like and not like, warn anybody. So yeah. I know. I'm like all of a sudden like so uppity. I'm like the disrespect. <laughs> you know, I like eat a can of sardines and I like walk right into a yoga class. Like I don't give Burp. a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oops, sorry. Um, oh my God, I can't remember what we were talking about, but Persian food's really good. You should actually yes. go to Atari sandwich shop on the west side. It's like a more of a casual like lunch Persian oh, spot. And they so make there. this highly recommend, especially we're about to go into a very rainy week in SoCal. There's a Persian soup called Asht. 
very like herb forward Persian soup mm. with like noodles in it. It's hard to explain. They like drizzle yogurt on top. It's fucking insane. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really I'm good. And that. Atari Sandwich Shop is a great Osh. I think it's such a good like pick it up, take it to go kind of thing. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm actually I'm so like, I'm, that. I want to ask about growing up in L.A., even mm-hmm. though we talked to you know, a decent amount of people who grew up in LA. I feel like you are very cool and trendy and, you know, are a funny gal and all that stuff. Did you know <laughs> always that you wanted to go into comedy or go into writing being an I LA I sure did. It was yeah. not even like a question for me. It's all I ever knew. It's all I ever wanted to do. When I was in high school, I was taking like improv classes at Second City in Hollywood, which doesn't even exist anymore. And at some place called like the LA Comedy Connection, like in Sherman Oaks, truly doing improv classes after school with middle-aged <laughs> men was just like, like, this is all I want to do. Not improv particularly, but I was like comedy. And yeah, I, you know, went to school in Chicago. I went to Northwestern and I pretty much mm, made that decision because it was A, the best school I got into. And B, because I was like Chicago, like Comedy Town. They have like a famous like improv team at Northwestern that like Julie Louis-Dreyfus and like Stephen Colbert were on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I literally basically majored in improv. Like that's all I did at college. And Your it was parents so, were like, probably so proud. Were they? Proud? I feel like, are you no. being sarcastic? Oh my God. I don't understand feel like... what improv is. <laughs> okay. I think if my parents... If I, I was like, ex- wow, that was so rude, Jess. <laughs> no, I'm being no, I so serious. You were be like, your parents must be so disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm well, being serious. Though. I'm so curious. Okay, this is my thought process. I feel like as a Jewish child, to tell your parents, like, look, I want to pursue a career in comedy. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to one of the best colleges in the country where all of these super accomplished people went Aww. and other, like, I don't know what other Jews went to Northwestern, but still I'm going to go live in Chicago, like in a big city that's very Jewish. And like, I have a plan. I've been doing it for this long. Like that's the way to like reassure your parents and do it right. And then once you're successful, they're like, Oh yeah, we knew the whole time. Whereas like, I feel like if you're like, I didn't, I'm not going to go to college and you like went like took a couple of improv classes and were like half assing it. Your parents would be like, what the fuck are you doing? That's true. I feel like you went the right route. Do the, yeah, are they proud of you? What's am I wrong? <laughs> no, they are. They are. It's taken them a very long time mm-hmm. for them to be proud of me. And I think I had to really like have hardcore successes that they understood in order mm-hmm. for like for some reason, once I worked on the late late show, James Corden or whatever, which is like mm-hmm. the worst late night show. Like I don't watch it. I don't know anyone that watches it. It's a travesty to comedy. Oh my God. I'm like trying to I, I'll never work there again. It's fine. No. It's fine. <laughs> we know. like that was something that like my dad like understood and like watched Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like and he was so that was like a turning point where he was like because I had been working on like scripted shows on cable that like no one has seen and like even though it's such a big deal to like you know be a staff writer and like get work in writers rooms like they were just like you're writing tv like it's just so hard to conceptualize I feel like for my parents are not industry people Mm -hmm. and it was just like hard for them to really like understand and then also it was like like getting notoriety on instagram like my persian mom forget it like she has no idea what that means couldn't care less but then like yeah i guess over the past couple years when i started like working for people that were like more famous or like shows that people watched it started to like sink in a little bit for them how did official sean penn start it really was like not well thought out at all it was just my Instagram account and like I feel like in the way that a lot of comedians like use Twitter as you know to be really funny and like write jokes like Twitter never was like popping up for me but on Instagram I feel like I was able to like showcase my voice in a more unique way and I've always been someone who's like like I feel like I had like a website that like looked like official Sean Penn when I was like 16 like I've always loved like doing like collages and like celebrities and like finding weird pictures of celebrities like it's always been this like weird whatever I'd call that aesthetic like I've always like AOL homepage aesthetic (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) it's very nostalgic and comforting yeah to me at least it's so nostalgic um so yeah it was just my Instagram account and I would just like do it for my friends and like try to find funny pictures and like write funny captions 
And then it was like in the early days of Instagram when you could just like get a lot. Oh, and I was like more, once I started like getting more followers, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I have a lot of followers. Like I should just like post a lot. So I remember I would post and I was kind of like working in like digital. I was like working more in like a, um, like digital marketing-y kind of place, like a place that like did Instagram stuff. So it was like, I would like, was learning about it at my job and was like, but taking everything I learned for the place I was working and just like applied it to my own stuff. And they would get like mad and angry that like my shit was blowing up and theirs wasn't. I mean, I feel like you were one of the, probably the first person that I followed that I didn't either personally know who you were or you weren't like to me yet like a celebrity because you barely put your name like on that account. Right. Because I don't want to call it a meme account because it's not. Um, it's just thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. It's just <laughs> you're better great than content, that. but I and it's all like original. It's kind not of, like you're aggregating. And I yeah. do want to stick up my ass about it too, about like being compared to meme, meme accounts. Don't worry. I'm real uppity about that. Um, it's so it, no, it really was about like finding weird pictures and like writing long captions, and, like showcasing my voice. And it just like, I, I, I didn't really care about like being the biggest or like having a lot of followers like to me the big accomplishments were having like people I idolize follow me and like tell me I was funny or like give me approval you know what I mean like when the broad city girls would like follow me and I was like 26 and that was like my favorite show like that was amazing to me and then like through that I started to get opportunities to write on shows which like still blows my mind to this day like when I was doing official Sean Penn, Eric Andre followed me and he DM'd me and was like, have you ever written for TV before? I was like, no, let's That's fucking so cool. go. Oh my God. I mean, he's like the coolest, funniest person in the world. And Jewish. Yeah, he's a friend. He's a man. His mom is a Palm Beach Jewish lady who's like the most <laughs> Jewish, Jewish looking lady in the world. And his dad is like this like Haitian king. Um, he's so <laughs> cool. He's the nicest guy. So my, one of my first jobs in LA, I worked for a manager and he used to rep Eric Andre when he worked at an agency, whatever. And they still text like occasionally. This was five, six years ago, maybe at this point. And I went to LA being like, I want to marry Eric Andre. Like he's my number one. Like I'm obsessed. Girl, get in line and get on Raya. (laughs) I know. Well, I have a boyfriend now. I was on Raya exclusively looking for Eric Andre. Anyway. Is there, honey? I, my boss, like, legit, like, texted him on a random day and was like, my assistant is obsessed with you. Like, would you ever consider going out with her? And he was like, sure, send pic. And then my boss sent a picture and he never responded. Oh, That's no. So, like, that is setting yourself up for failure. I'm sorry. I know. But that I was like, like, I needed a shot, really though. It. I went for it. And it is what it is. You know, I just don't go after celebrities or people that are, like, above. I don't like... um go above my why can't I think of the phrase like yeah like I try not to go too high because like I don't like to be rejected or disappointed like that's the way to do it right yeah I think my first like year in LA I was like really all about it I was like oh maybe I should like try to hook up with all these comedians it didn't work I realized and now that I actually have a good job and like I would never do that but yeah well the thing that I found about comedians is like this is like gonna get a little esoteric and kind of whack but bear with me as I get try to barrel towards a point you think that comedians are like insecure or like on your level because they're like neurotic and they're like bearing their soul on stage but actually like comedians have girls throwing themselves at them Uh all the time you know like being a funny person who's like in control of a room is like so intoxicating and like you're get in line like comedians have people throwing themselves like you think in your head like a comedian's on your level right. if you're like a funny like unique mm-hmm. offbeat girl but it's like oh no like models are going so like that's one thing and then it's so unfair to me because if you're like a funny girl you're like attracted to like a funny guy and, like this makes sense like we're both so funny like but then you're like oh he's like dating a model and like wait why do only like fat losers like me funny girls yes exactly <laughs> you're like this isn't fucking fair it's so annoying i think it's like this ultimate ultimate betrayal and then it's like, yeah, comedians are like bearing their souls are like so neurotic, but then like they kind of end up being what I've never had sex. Proud to say I've never, well, that's actually yeah, that's a bald lie, but I haven't <laughs> dated a comedian. I also have not dated a comedian. Nor but have like, I. I feel like my friends who are more like chuckle fuckers, like yeah. these guys end up being like the biggest fuck boys of them all. And they like yeah. hide behind this like neurotic, relatable, like 
I'm just like you kind of thing. And they're all like secretly married. And then you find out like a year later and you're like, what? How's that happen? Um, They're all emotionally unavailable. And I do think it does take like a certain amount of self-confidence or I don't want to say like narcissism, but in order to like bury your soul on stage, like you have to be a certain type of person. And like that person isn't necessarily going to like want to be with like one woman forever and like love her unconditionally you know what I mean it's like you I mean it depends on the person right like totally that's a blanket but it's like but it's like also to to devote yourself to that grind of stand-up and like putting yourself on stage Mm -hmm. every night like it's so self such like a solitary pursuit of Mm -hmm. this it's like very like solitary thing but also like so like that serotonin and that endorphins and that rush of like having a room of people laugh at you like that's such a high that you're chasing and you like get it every night and like not a lot of people can understand that yeah and like real life like yeah just one woman might not compare or appeal to you when they're like people like theoretically throwing themselves at you after every show yeah caroline did you ever do stand-up yes i've done um stand-up on and off for years i never like cared about it enough to like really consider to be a true stand-up and like grind it out every night but I've gone through waves of like doing open mics and then yeah me kind of like I kind of like broke a point where I was like wouldn't do open mics anymore but would like do shows here and there and I kind of got into doing like powerpoint comedy and I would like sometimes (laughs) like do like these like funny like crazy esoteric like OSPS powerpoints um but yeah I was just kind of this like fair weather stand-up which was so the worst because then like when I would do a show I would get so crazy nervous because I wouldn't have like done stand-up for like weeks and then like uh, yeah so it was just like really up and up and down hit or miss but I think now with COVID I can like firmly say I'm probably not gonna be doing stand-up when things come back I feel like I'm done that yeah it doesn't serve you that's okay I literally just had the same realization because I was producing and hosting a show at Genghis Cohen like before the pandemic for like a year year and a half and mm. now that it's the pandemic, I'm like, I, I think I'm good. I think I did that. And got I'd out still of your like, I would still like produce a show sometime down the line if someone like wanted me to. But I mean, the reality I- is, it's just you have to have such a burning, deep, pathological need mm-hmm. to like to achieve and to like be in that. Like, it, it's just like multiple shows a night. Like, it's such a grind. And when I transition to like working in writers rooms, like. I don't know. I just feel like some so much of that need to like be heard comedically and like get laughs and like write jokes was being met in a way that was like way more financially lucrative, had a better schedule. Your quality of life is so much better. You can like go to sleep at a normal time. Probably. And like, yeah, I 100 percent. Yes. I just never had that like burning. I feel like it'd be one thing that was like 22 and like, it was like, but then it, like, it's kind of at one point when you're like 30, it's like, what am I going to do? Like grind it out and like become the best stand up there ever was like, probably not. It's also just like not super any- oversaturated now. I guess it maybe always was, but it's just, especially in LA. It seems and if you like- don't want to do it, it's like, you have to want it so badly. Like that's just like full stop. Yeah. And luckily you can still tell jokes and have a personality on your podcast. Yes. Blowing up. Up. Good transition. Um, we fucking love thank you thank you we love going up thanks tell the people about it if they don't know it's a health and beauty and everything and food podcast but it's pretty much about everything that I co-host with little Esther aka Esther Pavitsky is one of my very best friends and is very accomplished and amazing stand-up in her own right and like how do I describe the podcast it's like we're on the quest to glow up aka be hot and we're not we're not going to stop at nothing like is there a food that we should try like is there makeup like it's not working and we haven't figured it out but like we're not going to stop and we interview like comedians uh uh founders of like big makeup and beauty brands or like influencers like it's just such a mixed bag there's a lot of fun interviews we've done but um it's pretty like a raunchy good dirty time i feel like you have a lot of good like product recs as well yes thank you yeah esther and i are true makeup and product junkies like that's how esther and i bonded was like it's not just like we have a passing interest in makeup we are junkies like we have tried everything we're addicts we are we worship at the altar of consumerism have been like (laughs) 
devouring magazines. Like since I was like a baby, like I feel like I am so we're finger on the pulse of like brands, makeup, beauty, health, everything. And we are always looking for the next big recommendation, always looking to share our findings with people. We live, we live. You guys get a lot of free shit. Yeah, I would say the answer to that is yeah. That's my only goddamn goal is to get free shit. We got one, we got free makeup from Jamie Greenberg. If you don't know her or haven't spoken to her, you should. Jamie Greenberg, she's a celebrity makeup artist. She has her own makeup line. And she sent us makeup because we had her on. Did she just launch a makeup line? Yes. Yeah, I've heard of her. She's a big deal. She's mm-hmm. a big deal. And she her makeup's amazing. It's called the Bly Lighter. You put it on your cheeks. Yeah. It's like highlighter and blush. You should talk to her and get some Bly Lighter because you will like it. Yeah. I love that. Um, no, we do we do get a fair amount of free stuff. And Esther and I are we're scam artists. We will we're shameless. We hit up brands. We we like pump up our numbers. We're like, we get a million listeners. Like, can you like send us free product and we'll review it? And they'll be like, yeah. And we're like, never review it. Like, <laughs> Jason, we need to be doing lying. that. <laughs> I literally sent one email to like Lactate. I was like, can you sponsor our podcast? And I never answered. I was like, it's fucking Lactate. That's the I just thing. Went- like, it's a, your hit rate's going to be low. Like, you mm-hmm. just got to like balls to the wall. Like, no shame. I know. I take um, it so personally. <laughs> The no, worst they can, can say is no, or just not respond at all. But like, yeah. for every no, you get maybe, or for every like 10 no's, you get one yes. I think that's the mathematical equation for success. Oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty like dogged about it. It's, I mean, look, are we doing a podcast, beauty podcast just for free shit? Some might say maybe. the answer is yes. Is it a maybe, long game? Maybe not. Yeah, like my beauty, I have like a beauty basket of like untouched, unopened free products. And it's like shocking. Oh my God. That's all I want in life. Let's see. Let's just look. I am sitting at my desk. I'm going to pull some free products that I can just see in my purview. Let's do a little free product guide. Oh my gosh, I'm really like. so jealous. I might just leave the room. But I'll- this is amazing. It's a lube by the company Necessaire, which makes, they make like amazing body lotions, body scrub. It's like the chicest brand ever. And they make this like lube. Highly recommend. Love. They're I, all I'm over putting, Instagram. Putting some on right now. Just kidding. <laughs> their founder, they're one of their founders, Nick Axelrod Welk, hosts his own podcast called The Breaking Beauty Podcast. It's a really good beauty news podcast. Highly recommend. Ooh, this is an amazing holy grail toner for me. It's by the company Tower 28. I use that. Their, yes, this is their SOS spray. And it's just like very simple facial spray that has something called hide. It's like has two ingredients. And one of them is this thing called, oh, and I don't know. It's got this like healing, ah, wait, nope, I don't have it. Wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> ah, hydro- hypochlorous acid. It's this like super healing, like they use it in like plastic surgeon's office and like surfers use it on like their wounds. It's like this like simple healing, like eczema Specifically surfers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's on our podcast. She explained it. Listen to that episode. <laughs> it's really good for maskne if you're dealing with that right yeah. now. You just like spritz it on your face. Wait, I'm dealing it's, with like, something healing. worse than maskne. I had an allergic reaction to like really expensive lip product and you I mean I'm you can see like my whole like upper yeah you're lip puffy is... I thought you got lip injections or something no dude like, I was like it was good <laughs> just an allergic reaction <laughs> well a lot of people have allergies to really commonly found prod, uh, ingredients in lip balm like I know a girl that's allergic to lanolin and she like didn't realize and she was like oh, I using love like lanolin. aquaphor she was like using like all the things that you think are good and it turned out she was allergic to lanolin so be careful oh my god yeah, and get this stuff that. this stuff is like truly for anything and anything under the sun like acne eczema like reactions is just like for the most sensitive skin like it won't fuck you up it's really good that's great i'm i mean i could show you guys more but i feel like it's kind of like braggy i probably shouldn't do it anymore <laughs> i mean i love it but it. i you know i i appreciate it but i understand why you would want to stop <laughs> well that was two i feel like that was a good start that's that was a good teaser. start if people want to hear about more products they should listen to glowing up it's such a oh, good yeah easy listen. I did want to talk about something really quickly that you touched on the podcast a little bit. You often mention your Persian mother encouraging you to get plastic surgery. Where are we at with that? Oh, Have you made thank you for asking. That? I need to talk this through with someone right now because I feel okay. like going up audience is sick of hearing me like talk about it. So I want to get a nose job. That is the plastic surgery in question. And I have I do not have a bump. I have a nice nose slope, but as you can see, I have a, a lot of character in my tip. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it That's at that. Yeah. 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 And I'm 30 now. Like, it's not, it's like so 
it's kind of like the stand-up thing, right? Like the longer it goes, the more embarrassing it is. I feel like to change your face, <laughs> you know, and it's what? like, and I, I would be open about it. If I got plastic surgery, like I would be like, I got a nose job. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's so embarrassing to like pretend you didn't. But <laughs> I, I want, so yeah, I would just get my tip, maybe like lift it a little bit. Cause here's the thing. I do not like the way my nose looks. When I look in the mirror, all I see is my nose, mm. like, and it, and it's when I smile, it like droops. And like, also like, as we get older, our cartilage keeps growing. So like my nose which is just is so annoying, which that part's going to get bigger. So I, at this point, I'm like, I do have to get it. Cause like, I just don't want it to get like huge when I'm older, but I am having a lot of trouble finding a good doctor. Like I've gotten a lot of recs, but I like, if you guys have tips, please like share them. No well, I obviously am not a doctor and I have no idea like what goes into a nose tip surgery. Is I, this something that you could fix with like filler so, just to make it? Yes. That I thought that was an easy fix. I thought that was the solution. I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. But like you will kind of hear, I, I find that it varies. I find that most people are like, no, don't do it. Like it's temporary. It's dangerous. It's also I think that, very expensive for a temporary exactly. solution. Yeah. It's, it's expensive. It's temporary. And I do find that it's really more for like, I see, I feel like I see a lot of like bridge work with fillers and it like kind of like mm-hmm, evens yeah. out the bumpiness, but like, it's like adding to my tip. Like, is that really going to help my giant tip? Like <laughs> maybe like a wizard of filler could like find a way to make it like seem like flipped up, but like, yeah, Let's that's what I was thinking. But it seems like more, more trouble than really. it's worth. Well, like I, I mean, found one doctor in, in Glendale who's this Armenian guy, Dr. Vladimir Grigoryans, and he only does nose jobs. And like all these girls go to him and he's like on the cheaper side, which like, and trust me, I'm like very careful with my face. Like I don't want to like cheap out, but like mm-hmm. he's like the, no, he's like a Armenian girl nose job king. But it kills me because he was like, I go in, I have a consultation. Oh, and the other thing is I'm really scared of surgery. Like for some reason, I'm Uh-oh. overly scared of surgery. So like I've built it up Justified so much in my mind me. now that I'm like so scared of it. But I'm like, I go in for a consultation, but he doesn't do a CGI mock-up, which fancy doctors will do where they show you what your nose job will look like. Oh. And he just like shows you, he literally just like had me in his office and he held a paint. He, he was like, okay, turn to the side. And he like, held a pen up to my nose and pulled it up. And he's like, that's what it'll look like. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, am I going to get a CGI mock-up or like a picture that I can like look at? He's like, no, like, I don't do that. And I'm like, I can't commit. No, absolutely A full nose job. That's kind of how I feel. Could you go to one doctor, get the CGI mock-up, bring that mock-up to the Armenian doctor? Thought about that. Also consultations (laughs) with nose job doctors cost like $300. What? I did not know that. And I I know a lot about nose jobs. Here's my Go thing. On. If you're thinking about it every day, oh sorry. <laughs> no, Jason, say your piece. No, I was go. just gonna say, like, if it's really something that bothers you every time you look in the mirror, you have to just yeah. do it. Yeah, you have to exactly. just do it. That's kind of where I'm at too. I'm like, at this point, like, what am I gonna do? Go my whole life and like wake up and like wish I had a nose job. Like, like you're still very young, and as you said, like your nose isn't getting any smaller. No, it I is think not. Just do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I just have to find the right doctor. Yeah, but take your time with the doctor because it's like your face. Right. I was going to say, I feel like Jewish girls and probably men and boys to an extent too, like, I think every single one of us has thought about getting a nose job. And not I'm me. sure that's, that's not exclusive to, <laughs> but you have Shut Italian blood. Up, JC. <laughs> it's okay. I want like every liposuction and like cool sculpting and everything. So my nose <laughs> is like the one thing I like. Just oh let my me God. have See, it. It's so grass is greener. Like I would take like if I had a perfect nose, like I almost, I, in my mind, like I wouldn't give a shit what anything else looked like. It's like mm-hmm. all face. Who cares? But I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jessica, I do want to hear the end of what you were saying. I'm so sorry I interrupted you. No, no, no. You're okay. I just think it's like you either, when you're young, you like decide, whatever, this is my nose. I don't want to get it done. I'm just going to live with it. Or you make the decision, like, I'm going to get a nose job either when I turn 16, as soon as I can afford it, whatever it may be. And it's like, if you want to do that and like, change your face to make yourself feel better by all means. But my one thing is I really do think it's worth splurging because it's like you're going to live with that for the rest of your life. So it's like if it means you have to like save up for a little bit longer, if you have to like move in with your parents to pay for it, whatever you have to do, I think that is like the move. And also like wait until you find a good doctor who has like an Instagram with a lot of like amazing before and afters. Right. But you also don't want a doctor who's too Instagrammy and is like a weird mm. Instagram doctor. 
who's like posting the surgeries on Instagram. Cause a lot of them like are these like weird social media stars. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. I need to you don't find that look like, like perfect. Right. If you guys hear of anyone, like pass them along. I do have a wreck, but I think the person, my friend who is Jewish, he like wants to know his job so badly. And he's been doing a lot of research and he found a doctor in San Francisco and he's like, whatever, I'm just going to go to San Francisco and get my nose done. Oh like, it's my worth it. God. But we're literally in LA. Like it's the, I know. I know. It's what's like the, the word I'm looking for? It's like the golden world. plethora of doctors. That's not a, that's not a thing. I just made that up. I don't know. But it's, there's like a, there's, <laughs> there's a, a lot of doctors. <laughs> there's got to be a doctor in LA who can give you a good nose job. For sure. This rocked. Yes, Good. we've kept you for a very long time. Thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been you guys such a treat. Thanks for having me. Let's check that it was recording. It was. Thank okay, God. Thank God. Oh. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for joining us, Caroline. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at porkdrop.biz and at official Sean Penn. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen for free on Spotify. And don't forget to rate and review us. And if you want to support our show financially, you can go to anchor.fm slash pray for us slash support. Even $1 can make a difference. We're so appreciative. You can follow us on Insta at pray for us pod. And if you feel like it, send us a note at pray for us pod at gmail.com. Shabbat shalom. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh. <laughs>